back in Matthew, <coughs> chapter 11. <coughs> so if you have your Bibles, turn there. And the title of my thoughts this morning is, Do You Hear What I Hear? I wonder where that came from. Do you hear what I hear? Well, let's pray again. Thank you, Tim. But, uh, just thinking of a, a good prayer this morning to, to begin our time with. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him, to say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. Well, let me read the passage and then share some thoughts. Matthew 11, 1 through 19. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, remember this whole time he's been getting the disciples ready, telling them a bunch of things, where to go, what not to do, what to do, what to take, what not to take, <clears throat> what to expect. And... Uh, and so now he says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Well, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one that was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swaying in the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes, maybe? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the time, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. So what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to one another. 
or to others. We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Well, let's look at some thoughts regarding our hearing this morning. An introduction. <clears throat> Jesus has just finished commissioning his 12 disciples to go out and declare the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God had come. He gave them authority to do things that validated this message. He gave them marching orders, specific instructions, where to go, what to say, where to lodge. And with these instructions, he carefully prepared them for opposition to this wonderful good news of the kingdom. The expected reception of joy and Hosanna would not bother them. It was the unexpected hostility they would receive that would rock their boats. Not all would respond with how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. The opposition would not be minor but major, totally out of place and in proportion to the message of hope and works of healing and mercy that they would be bringing. And Jesus said it very well. They hated me without a cause. There, <clears throat> this would bite deeply as they found it coming from their closest relatives and family members. And they would find Isaiah's other words very true. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Jeremiah's cry might be theirs as well. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. For if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispers, terror on every side. Report him, report him. One would wonder at the reception of such a great and anticipated savior, Messiah and king. Did the people not hear the message correctly? Was it something with the personality of the disciples that turned them off? Well, in this passage, Matthew 11, 1 through 19, Jesus is going to address the problem of hearing and expectations that are at the root of this unfriendly reception. And our world is not any different than theirs. If God's message doesn't fit with the accepted norms of social adherence, if Jesus and his messengers don't dance to their song or mourn to their dirge, then watch out. Well, Jesus was very aware of our hearing problem. Over and over he would say these words, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's hard to hear when you have selective hearing or when you have both fingers in your ears See, Stephen saw that when the Sanhedrin couldn't stand his boldness and his message. It says that this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voice, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city 
and began to stone him. So you cover your ears and you yell real loud so you can't hear anymore. And you do something wicked. But it's not just the outside that needs to hear this. The church also needs to hear. Jesus challenges his disciples in his church in Revelation 2 and 3 over and over with that same exhortation. Each one of the churches were finished with, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, having grown up in a remote native tribal village, I like the story I heard once told about a Native American walking in downtown New York City with another businessman. Maybe you've heard it. Well, suddenly the Native American stops, and the businessman next to him, what's going on? He says, did you hear that? Did I hear what? Did you hear that cricket? Are you nuts? In this city, in this noisy place? And so the Native American got down on his hands and knees, and he looked in the crack of the sidewalk, and sure enough, he pulled out a cricket. And the guy, the businessman, looked at him and said, how did you hear that? He said, oh, it's easy. It's just what you're tuned in on. And having grown up in an Indian village, Native American, not American village, South American village, I understand that because I was the dummy. When I went hunting, they could spot things and hear things I never knew was there. And so he said to the businessman, just a minute, let me show you. And he took out of his pocket a bunch of coins and he just dropped them. And the noise level was the same as the cricket. But 20 heads turned and heard that. So I titled the message, Do You Hear What I Hear? You've probably sung that recently, but I just wonder if Jesus would ask that of us today. Do you hear what I hear? Let's turn it. Thank you. So if I... If you take your Bibles here, well, let's look at this. And uh, I, I kind of broke it down in four sections. I, I broke it down in interrogation. That's John coming and saying, are you the one? This was John's dilemma in prison. Then I see in verses 4 through 6, an explanation. Jesus explains something. What do you hear and see? Or go tell John, what do you hear and see? what you do hear and see. Jesus invites inspection of his actions. And then there's validation, verses 7 through 14. This is the one. Jesus affirms his messenger. And then there's condemnation from verses 15 through 19. To what can I compare this generation? And Jesus dismisses man's excuses for not hearing. So let's look at interrogation. Notice what's happening here. The disciples have just left. They have just departed. And they're going out, and they're full of enthusiasm, and wow, you know, this, this is going to be great. And you have another man who has been doing the same thing. He's been speaking of the kingdom of God. He has been the one who's in the front, who is the messenger of God, who has been saying, 
prepare the way, prepare the way. He's coming, he's coming. And he's falling apart. They're departing and he's falling apart. Well, let's look at some of the reasons for this. Well, I think one of the reasons is there's a prison disappointment. When John heard this from prison, that, that gives you a, a key to hang why he asks this question when he heard it from prison. Prison affects your hearing. John the Baptist was probably from Montana, the big sky country, right? The wilderness, the out in the desert, the, the man who loved the open air, the guy who wore crazy clothes and was a, kind of a wild, different sort of a person. He wasn't a city guy. And now he's in a, not a big sky, but a big hole, a dungeon. And I wonder what he's thinking. Remember, he had said something. He must increase, but I must decrease. But my goodness, how long and how deep and how decreased do I have to be? Was this too far? Wasn't there more to come? And I think of Paul when he stood before Agrippa and and other kings, and he said these words, I wish all men were like me except for these chains. And he prayed, he said, pray, remember my chains. There's something about the prison, something about the dungeon, something about the pit that affects your hearing. Then there's the other thought, the prison creates amnesia. You can't remember well. I mean, he said, are you the one? Someone said it's good to not doubt in the dark which you knew in the light. Turn with me to John chapter 1. And let's see what John had seen and what John testified to. John 1. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem, verse 19, sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He didn't fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not he. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer that we can take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Some of the Pharisees who had sent to question him, said, then why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and something had happened. In the meantime, he must have had baptized Jesus because he comes out with this declaration, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. What did he just ask? Are you the one? This is the one I meant when I said, a man will come after me after who, uh, who will surpass me because he was greater. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remaining on him. I wouldn't have known him except the one who sent me. 
<clears throat> to baptize with water told me, <clears throat> the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And this is his words. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Prison can be a disappointment. Prison can cause amnesia. Are you the one? <clears throat> he also says in John 3, 29, he says these words. You yourselves can testify that I said, <clears throat> I am not the Christ, but I was sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, hearing, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. These are the things that, that John had seen and testified to and declared. Now he's asking this question, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? There's been a lot of Christians gone through hard times and wondered the same thing. Did I get it wrong? I mean, this, this, this dungeon, this prison, this hole, this whatever I'm going through, man, that doesn't fit with my expectations. Let's see what Jesus says, because Jesus makes, does give an explanation here. The absence of rebuke is the first thing I see. Jesus never says, you turkey, what's wrong with you? Don't you remember? I was there. You were there. You saw. You declared. Jesus never reminded John what he had said. <clears throat> Instead, I think of the verse in Matthew 12 where it says, A bruised reed he, he will not break. A smoking flax he won't turn out. Isn't that neat? How tender Jesus is. He's tender with you and with me too when we go through our hard times. And then there's an invest invitation to inspect what you hear and what you see. Go tell that to John. It doesn't tell him, tell him yes, of course. He says, no, I want you to check it out. Make your own assessment. Look what's happening. <clears throat> the blind. Tell them what you hear and see. Blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. That's the visible part. Now he tells them the audible part. And the good news is preached to the poor. Matthew chapter 5, I think, says something about blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Well, let's just look at that a little bit. I, I just love that Jesus is, is saying... You know, he replicates Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. The same thing he did when he picked up the scroll and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it's just to preach the good news and all these different things. To open the blind, to lift up the oppressed, all these things that Jesus. And he says, come and check it out. Validate it. Jesus said that in, in John chapter 15. He says, if I... If I hadn't come and done what nobody else could do, they would be free of sin. But now their sin remains. So God is not afraid of your, of 
your inspection of him, inspection of his word. Many have come to the word of God thinking they could prove it wrong, and, and if they were sincere, they found out to be right on. <clears throat> I love Jesus' words, come and see. Remember that? You know? Did anything good come out of it? Come and see. Thomas, I won't believe. Stick your hand in the air. Shut up. <laughs> it's real. He's not afraid of, of inspection. The next thing he says is the blessing of fellowship. <clears throat> Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. What have we learned about on account of me? Turn back to chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 18. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On a, my account, you will be brought before governors. Verse 22, all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Chapter 5 says the same thing. Blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed per, uh, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Why? On account of me. Because of me. Why are you in the prison, John? Because of he wasn't there because he did something wrong. He did something right. And there was a, another king who didn't like this kingdom, this king. And the loyalty that John had to that king. And so he stuck him in prison. Don't shut you up. Falling away may be easier. You know what? Later on, Jesus says, they will strike the shepherd. And he says, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. And then, of course, he tells Peter, hey, when you come back. He was anticipating him returning. But falling away is not a, oh, oh, no. We probably all have fallen away. We've all been Peters that denied. It doesn't take much to rock our boat all of a sudden go, ah, right? Falling away may be easier, but it's not blessed. Jesus said, blessed is the man. I like Philippians 3.10. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I don't like that verse. <laughs> Blessed is, are you. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. John was not missing the boat. He was right on course. The bullseye was on his back and the enemy was nailing him. It has been granted unto you not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So the blessing of, faithful, of a faithful man is fellowship king with his savior. Well, now let's look at validation, verses 7 through 14. As John's disciples were leaving, 
Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? And so there's three little uh, sections here that talking about John. One is man's observation of John. What did you go out to see? And then there's Jesus' affirmation of John. And then there is John's relation to the kingdom, this kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. What did you go out to see? Expectations, a strange place. What did you go out there to see? Reeds? The reeds aren't in the desert, folks. They're in the marshes, right? So you couldn't have gone out there to see reeds. You, you must have gone out there to see something different than that. But did you go out to see a man in fine clothes? No. You don't go to a hardware store to get pharmaceuticals, right? What, what did you go out to see, guys? This guy was in the desert, a strange place. Reeds aren't in the desert. A man with weird clothes, camel hair, weird diet, grasshoppers. That, that's not a king's table. That's not, that's where, not where you're going to find him. Did you go out there to see that? What did you go out to see? What was your expectation? He's going to nail this because sometimes our hearing is based upon our expectation. We'll see that in a minute. A prophet? <laughs> that, you got it. Yes. Notice Jesus' affirmation of this man. He says, I tell you, more than a prophet, this is the one about whom I is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus is affirming this guy. I mean, I, I wish John could have heard that. Maybe someone did hear that. No one greater. Jesus' affirmation of this man. And then John's relation to the kingdom. Look at this. The prominence of the kingdom. The one who is least, nevertheless, he says, those anyone who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. What is he trying to get at here? What is he saying? This is a challenging one. But I think... What, the key is right there, among those born of women. Does that ring any bells in your head? Jesus was talking to another Pharisee one time who came to him at night. Do you remember that? He says, uh, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom, right? And then the guy said, what are you talking about? How can I go back inside my mother's womb? And so Jesus is saying that here, among those born of women, if you're just talking about natural birth, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. But if you're talking about a spiritual birth, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit. If you're talking about that, because that's a supernatural work of God. And so the kingdom is, has been spoken about through the law and the prophets up until John. And so I think that's the prominence of the kingdom. To compare this with this, 
is really different. First um, Peter talks about this a little bit, about these men who are the prophets. <clears throat> is concerning the salvation, the prophets. I, can, I can't remember the whole thing. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, they searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that were to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So the comparison, the prominence of the kingdom of God, everything in the past has been looking this way. Now I look at the struggle of the kingdom. Some of the translations say violence. Let's read those. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, some say, has been suffering violence. This translation says, has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Some may say violent men. Every birth that I have seen was rather violent. And I haven't found too many spiritual births that haven't had some violence in it. There is a resistance. Coming down that birth canal is gotta be excruciating both to the woman and to the child. And there is a sense of violence in it. There is, oh. And no one comes to Jesus without their feet and their, uh, without a struggle. Yes, we're supposed to believe like children. But man, I tell you, there's always a sense of resistance and a fight. But those who come to him must realize one thing. You lay hold of him. I like what it says in Timothy. Do I have that written down here? Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 6. He's telling his, Paul's telling <coughs> Timothy to fight the good fight. Timothy 6 12 excuse me but you man of God flee all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness and he says this fight the good fight of the faith that sounds like forceful that sounds like fighting that sounds like war that sounds like somebody who means business fight the good fight of the faith take hold of eternal life. Forceful men take hold. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So there's this struggle that goes on in becoming a child, in being part of the kingdom, and being a one who is a preacher of the kingdom of God. Notice those who are preachers, heralds of the kingdom. So he says that for the pro all the prophets from the law of, and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah that was to come. 
All right, let's look at condemnation. There is a comparison here, a condemnation, and it's a comparison. And he brings up a game that kids play. And I find it interesting that adults still play this game. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. And notice this follows the phrase, if you are willing to accept it. You get that? If you are willing to accept it. It's clearly not a lack of information or observable evidence, but rather a willingness to accept or receive what God has said so very clearly. This is true of the reception of both John as the last of the prophets under the law and the king and his kingdom as Jesus now reveals it. So what did they do? This is what they say. So what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a dirge for you, and you didn't mourn. And so as though God is on audition here, an audition before the world, before people. And they said, dance. Ta-da. Dirge. Well, John didn't dance. He was a voice in the wilderness. He was weird clothes and food. And they said, my goodness, he's a demon. He's weird. Jesus didn't do all that. He ate and drank with the people. And they said, he's a drunk. Many a man will discard God's man and message when they don't meet his expectations and wishes. Man wants to call the shots demands God to perform, and somehow assumes he can write God off for not jumping through the hoops man has demanded compliance with, not realizing that all this time God has graciously given ample evidence, time, and clarity regarding his sovereign greatness, holiness, and compassionate mercy toward mankind. God jumped through my hoop. God I want you to do this. Prosperity gospel is the same thing. It's telling God, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. It's interesting. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I follow them. Right? No, they follow me. They follow me. David, the shepherd boy, said this. He leads me. He guides me. He makes me to lie down. I think that's interesting. But we say, God, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And God doesn't jump through those hoops. You jump through his hoop. He said, I am the way. I am the door. No one comes to the Father except through It wasn't the landlord that threw the renters out when they didn't pay up. It was the renters that killed and threw the servants, the prophets, and the heir out. God doesn't overlook all this. He's not deceived and confused. He wants us to know that he knows. And then he wants, and that we should know 
how good our hearing has been. And he ends with this verse. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Wisdom is proved right by her actions. And Luke says this. Wisdom is proved right by all her children. Remember what Jesus had just got through saying to John, John's disciples? Go tell them what you saw and heard. Actions. Evidence. Well, now he turns it on its head and he says, I, I can tell you, I can tell you whether you have good hearing or not. It's evident by your actions. James says, Who is the wise man among you? Let him show it by his actions. All her children. Jesus said to a bunch of people, he says, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you want to kill me. Even a child is known by his actions. Well, reception and rejection only increase as seen in those who have heard John and Jesus. Luke brings up something interesting that Matthew doesn't bring up. It says this in the same section. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, heard, acknowledged that God's way was right. Interesting. And then he gives this clarification. Because they had been baptized by John. They had a message. They heard. They obeyed. Get the other guys. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purposes for them because not been baptized by John. To whom much is given, much is required. So where are we at? In, in conclusion, do you hear what I hear? This is comfort and validation. There is comfort and validation if you're his ch child and in his kingdom. But you find yourself in a dungeon, a hard place, because of your allegiance and faith in Christ. Brother and sister, you are blessed. Hold on to the end. Weeping may endure for a season, but joy comes in the morning. You may be those who wept bearing precious seed, but you will return with joy, with rejoicing. His kingdom is advancing. There is discomfort and scrutiny if you're playing the game of making God jump through your hoops. Your actions betray your father and your hearing. Are you one of those who will be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving? Do you reject God's purposes for you and prefer your own way? There is a way that seems right to me This king hung on a cross for your sins and mine, and whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. Is it time for you to be born again by the Spirit of God? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your message. I trust, Lord, that you have opened some blind eyes, maybe some ears that can't hear. 
to stop screaming and shouting and putting our hands over our ears when you're trying to speak to us. Oh, God, help us when we're in the hard stuff. May we not be those who fall away. May we recognize the blessedness of fellowshipping in your suffering. So help us. Help us today to be hearers of the word.